Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Charlotte out of timeout. Here's Morning. The shot. Oh! Game over! He's going to get off. Here he comes. Here he comes. He's got him this time. It's going to be a drag race. Wow. They touch. They touch. Now Ponogorovsky with it. Through the wedding front, blocked there. Scramble for it there. They pump away at it. Still it's loose. Pumped out by Kovalchuk. They score! It's over! The runner at third, nobody out in the first and didn't score. Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith, corks one into right down the line. It may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! It's a home run! Welcome to The Score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Welcome to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside the one and only world-famous James Wilson, who this morning you and I are both very happy to report, in case you missed it, that Chris Paul is finally in the NBA Finals. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's only took a couple years in his career. It's uh, you know, it, it it's so good to see one of the younger guys finally make it. That's obviously sarcasm, but um, yeah, it's it's so exciting to see him finally make it, especially in here in our market. You know, we are the kings of sports talk in Winston Salem. There's really none better than us, I'd say. But what you're going to be getting from that is you're going to. I'd say Winston-Salem, the city's probably going to start planning a parade of some sorts. I wouldn't be mad at that. In case you missed it, uh, the thing that I liked the most, uh, CP3 and his post-game presser had the Winston-Salem hat on and talked extensively about his family, about West Forsyth, about Wake Forest, about growing up here um, in Louisville, so suburban Winston-Salem, which is a thing, by the way. Um Talked about all of that, and um, that was awesome to hear uh, on top of, of, you know, everything else. So, But on top of him being one of the best point guards in the league for years on end now, to finally get to this point, um, what does it mean for him? And and I hate to bring this up, but I kind of have to, legacy-wise, because he, he has one. And the only knock on him was that he could not get over the hump. Um, He did all he could in L.A. with the Clippers. He did all he could last year in the bubble with OKC, taking them a lot farther than they should have gone. Um, And he did a lot this year, but he had a better cast of characters around him. Not that it was expected that they would go this far, but um, just as good a cast of characters as he had around him, I think, with L.A., what what does it mean for for him legacy wise? Because he's 
he's got this box checked. Okay, what's of course next would be winning it, but now that this box is checked, what does it mean? You know, I really think that we've got to look at it from let's analyze every team that Chris Paul's ever been on. So when he played for the New Orleans not real Hornets, um, he was a young kid. His leadership could not be a factor that led to winning games because there are too many players who spend their entire careers thinking that rookies should have no input. They shouldn't be able to play. They've been doing this too long. Well, the problem is, bro, you got drafted 55th and you're barely hanging on by a thread. Meanwhile, some of these rookies just got drafted first overall to your team. They are a million, multi-million dollar asset to your franchise. They definitely would like you to have some say, right? So I think you have to look at that, and then you're going to go and say, hey, okay, well, let's look at his time in Los Angeles when he finally was made the guy, right? Objectively, he was the best player on the Clippers. Everyone knew that. He was that dude in Los Angeles. So you also had a good coach, but it just never happened. And we can sit here and talk for hours about why it didn't happen, but that's not the point of the show. Um, legacy then... After years of service with the Clippers, he winds up in Houston. That did not go over very well, really, at all. Um, some guys listened, some guys didn't. But uh, someone who did listen, actually, ironically, was Harden. But Harden was his own man. He wanted to play, and they're now both on two separate teams. In fact, Chris Paul's played for you know, two other teams since leaving Houston now. So Then Chris Paul goes to Oklahoma City, and that went great because you had a bunch of guys who would listen to him, and now he's back at Phoenix, and... Anyways, the point I'm taking a very long time to make is that Chris Paul is a leader. He is likely one of the best leaders this game has ever seen. If you think he is a great point guard, he's a tremendous leader. He could run a business if he wanted. He could do a whole lot of cool stuff if he wanted. Simply because I know the effect this man has on teams. This See, the knock on him, the knock on him has always been that <clears throat> excuse me, that he's not really a team-oriented guy, which is completely far and away it's one like of the dumbest LeBron's things. It's a ball hog. It, it, it's one of those claims that only people who know absolutely no idea what they're talking about say, you know? Like, there's been guys that, you know, we've we've heard about that say, oh, I just wanted to get as far away from Chris Paul as possible by, you know, taking less money to go somewhere else. But that's a product of Chris Paul wanting to win, okay? That's a product of him having playoff exit after playoff exit and he goes from um, the Clippers and disappointment after disappointment to the Rockets, where he was, you know, I, I thought at the time he was he made the Rockets into the contender that they were trying to be. Right. Um, that didn't work out. He goes to OKC. That doesn't work out. Now he goes to uh, Phoenix and... Finally, 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 finally gets to the NBA Finals. But the fact that all this has been said about him in the past is because of his competitive nature, his will to win. He's tired of these playoff exits. He's tired of this narrative around him that no matter where he goes, he can't get the job done. Well, now he's checked that box. So what what do the critics have to say now? Nothing. You know, I think we need to also talk about something in that it is not even a controversial statement to say it doesn't matter who they play in the finals. 
if they play a Milwaukee that doesn't have Giannis or they play any version of Atlanta, they're going to win. We can already start to talk about this. Now, our predict our prediction track record has been pretty poor. We've been every time we say one thing's going to happen in the NHL playoff, we keep getting screwed. So, I I know our track record hasn't been the greatest, but I, I really do feel that Phoenix is such a good team this year. This is a team that's wanting to win, and Atlanta, plain and simply, has a lot of room to grow. They're fighting. They're fighting down two to three in the Eastern Conference Final, but this is a great improvement for that team. This is not something I'm trying to take away from them, but what I will tell you is this. Phoenix is better than them, and Phoenix has two guys who, not even 24 months ago, thought that they might never have this opportunity. You know, Chris Paul, a few years back, we almost kind of said, oh, you know, this is, it's it's never going to happen. He will never actually get this ring, and now it's just right there. He needs to win four more games, and he is an NBA champion. Four games. It's not a lot of games. You play more than 20 times that in one regular season. I think he can win four games, and I think he can win four games given seven chances against anybody in the NBA. He's now especially, finally got there. Especially with the guys he has around him. Exactly. You know, it's it's you, you get him there, and finally he can do it. You know, Chris Paul can't win a ring in the first week of the regular season. But he can win a ring in the NBA Finals, and that's the difference maker. It's that he, this is it. You know, we talk about getting there. He got there. That was the hard part. Chris Paul can finally do it. It's so incredibly exciting, you know. And I've never been the biggest fan of him, but he is Winston Salem. He's the biggest thing to come out of us um, for a very long time. You know, we haven't produced the biggest thing to come out of Wake Forest since Tim Duncan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Positively. So, you know, you, you, everybody here thought that, you know, Josh Howard might be that guy um, that eventually, you know, the James Johnsons and the Jeff Teagues of the world might become those guys going in the first round. Right. Chris Paul is the only guy not named Tim Duncan to come out and have sustained significant success. And now he has finally checked the box um, of getting to the NBA Finals. Let's go to the East. Uh, the Bucks tonight have a chance to close this thing out. Um, I think they certainly can. It all depends on whether or not Trey Young plays. We, right. I think, have a pretty good idea that Giannis will not. Um, I would presume that Trey Young will also not play. But look, Bobby Portis. Um, Chris Middleton, all those guys uh, the other night in Game 5 stepped up and then some to make that win happen, and now they're one win away from, from finishing this thing off. Um, but whoever comes out on top in this series, who matches up better against Phoenix and vice versa? Who does Phoenix match up better against? I think Phoenix, they themselves are looking for the Milwaukee matchup. I think they would rather play the Bucks because Bucks on the... I'd say Atlanta has a better chance against Phoenix than they do Milwaukee. This is the hardest series they're playing in. I do have a factoid, by the way, that I do want to get to regarding all three teams left in the playoffs, and it regards us here in Winston. Anyways, they'd rather play Milwaukee, and I, I, it's pretty simple. They think, hey, if we get Devin Booker on Chris Middleton, we don't have to worry about him. Devin Booker's a half-decent a half enough defender 
if not one of the more underrated defenders. He's not the greatest. He's definitely not even, I wouldn't even say he's great, but he's good enough. And he's, he's a little bit underrated, not by much. But anyways, what we need to realize here is the Bucks. they have a guy in Giannis Antetokounmpo who can absolutely get any points they need. The rest of those guys are streaky. The rest of those guys you can't necessarily rely on. None of them are two-time MVP winners, right? So I think Phoenix wants Milwaukee. Now Atlanta, obviously, they have to get through Milwaukee to play Phoenix. But Atlanta, this is their hardest matchup by far. For them, they would much rather play Phoenix in the conference or maybe play something, uh, play another team. Because they, I guarantee you, they'll get to the finals and say, oh man, we I wish we could have done this last round. So the Phoenix matchup for, for Atlanta, I think is they're going to find far easier than Milwaukee. But in Phoenix's case, I think they'd rather play Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But I, I think right now Phoenix is the favorite regardless of who they play. J- just right. just because of the fact that, especially if Giannis or Trey Young is going to continue to be out, they have gone through the best that the Western Conference has had to offer, period. So They have mowed, they have mowed through it. They have absolutely. mowed through the gauntlet. In, in a way, this test might be the least difficult they've had to face to this point and playing ball like excuse me like they're playing ball right now it doesn't get I mean that just becomes even harder to stop I have a fact to it for you Brett what's up this is something I don't think I've seen before I actually I didn't I haven't even seen this nobody has said this out loud or I didn't see it written down I didn't see a post about it but I just I was thinking about the teams left, and then I realized, oh my god, I didn't think about this. It doesn't matter who wins the NBA Finals. Someone from Wake Forest will not just be getting a ring, but they will be getting their first ring. Those three exactly. players remaining are Chris Paul. I mean, obviously, there might be someone on Phoenix who I'm not thinking of. Uh, Chris Paul is obviously the famous one. He's the one that matters. Um, from Atlanta... You have John Collins. John Collins is a relatively young guy. He has spent quite a bit of time in Atlanta now, but he's still relatively young. For Milwaukee, you have Jeff Teague. Again, he's never won a ring. He spent a lot of time. He also actually spent a lot of time in Atlanta. He spent the first seven years of his career there before becoming somewhat of a journeyman, actually spending some more time on the Hawks and then uh, playing now playing for the Bucks since this year. So... And obviously for Phoenix, you're going to have Chris Paul. So not only is someone from Wake Forest winning a ring, but someone from Wake Forest is winning their first ring. And it's so incredibly exciting. And I also, in doing my research for this week, I found out that the town I was in while gone on vacation in, in Layton, Utah, that is not just kind of where I was. That's like exactly where I was. So that's kind of cool too. I didn't know he was from Layton. That's so cool. I didn't know he came all the way from Utah to come to Wake Forest University. But I cannot blame them because some of those basketball programs over in Utah are terrible. Funnily enough, though, someone from both Brigham Young University and Utah State went are on Milwaukee's roster. So that's kind of funny. It's like it's everything went full circle twice over while looking at the research for this show. Oh, the irony. Absolutely. Absolutely. I we have to talk about one other thing. This is a oh, last for somebody. 
You know, we, we, we have had many firsts on this show, but this is going to be someone's last. Who would that be? Marv Albert. Yes, 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 yes. I, that is something I definitely wanted to touch on. Marv Albert, for in my estimation, is has been and always will be the voice of the modern NBA, period, as far as play-by-play guys Absolutely. go. He has the greatest calls ever in, in the history of the NBA, time after time after time. The, the, the Jordan calls in the finals those couple of times, I mean – the, the Willis Reed call and the seven. I mean, it, it would it would take up a whole show for me to rattle off his best calls. Right, but it could be tonight. It could if there's a game seven, which I kind of hope there is, so I can hear him one more time after tonight. But one of as a play by play guy, one of the guys that I model a lot of things after when I call basketball because I grew up listening to him and Kevin Harlan um, on TNT. It is going to be so incredibly weird to turn on TNT on the first Thursday of the season next October and not hear Marv Albert on the first game of that doubleheader. I mean, it's going to be a culture shock. And the best goes to Marv, um, his wonderful wife, his wonderful family, all the work he's done for NBC in the past and now Turner since 2002. I can't say enough um, on his behalf of just how much a fan I am of him. Right. And how much um, he has been one of my inspirations in this industry. We still got Doris Burke, who is objectively the GOAT of all time, greatest color commentator in history, and greatest basketball mind since James Naismith. I, I, yeah, I totally He's agree. Back, Guess who man. else agrees? Doris Burke's the GOAT. Yeah. Oh, hey, 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 hey. Drake can go back to Canada. Doris Burke is my woman. I don't care if she's more than double my age. Doris Burke is my woman. Drake, go home. You heard it here. James Wilson has told the world's number one rapper currently, not named Eminem, to to, to go home. Okay, uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup final and um, how it might already be over next. Back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside James Wilson and uh, J-Dub. The Stanley Cup Final, um, it's... Look, Montreal's not necessarily completely out of it yet, but they're pretty darn close because Tampa Bay is just mowing through them. And in Game 2, the backbreaker was that incredible goal by Blake Coleman with three-tenths of a second left in the second period that just demoralized completely the Montreal Canadiens, and I think the slipper might be starting to break. Yeah, it's really unfortunate to see the team, you know, the the Cinderella story, and obviously, you know, it's just like you said, the slipper. This team was, I mean, this team is phenomenal. This Canadiens team deserves to be here. Tampa Bay, however, 
is $18 million over the salary cap. Um, through legal loopholes, they've been able to put together a roster that is far better than every other NHL roster. You'll be hard-pressed to compile the two, you know, you take any two NHL rosters, you'd be hard-pressed to find stuff that's just naturally better. Are their teams better? Yes. Are their rosters better? No. And that comes from so many other factors, but they're not just losing. They're losing big. Game one, Tampa Bay Lightning five, Montreal one. Game two, Tampa Bay Lightning three, Montreal one. So, if you're Montreal, I think one, obviously, just to a certain degree, you're going to want to see to keep that goaltending as consistent as possible. You don't want to allow three goals, and you don't want to allow five goals. Try and keep it below two, right? But if there's somebody that can provide consistent goaltending, it's one of the greatest of all time in Carey Price, who's already had to stand on his head and more to this point. Right, right. But 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 at this point, if you can't get goals, you're going to lose. You're going to lose the Stanley Cup final, and I don't necessarily know that they'll be able to come back. That's the problem with this, is that they're not just a team that they can run it back. This team took a lot, right? It there, We see this happen. You know, I, I think a lot of example, a lot of great examples of this are in hockey and baseball. Um, we see teams that have these great runs, but then they just simply can't run it back because of just how much it took out of them and just how right. above their weight class they were already playing. It's right, really and it's Tampa is they just have too many weapons. I mean, but we said that about everybody's Mo- Montreal has played until this point. I mean, th- this is how hockey works a lot of the time. Either the Cinderella run continues and you mow through everybody and then you run into a buzzsaw or you run through multiple buzzsaws and find a way to scrap it out. I just don't think Montreal has anything left in the tank for a team with as much firepower more firepower than anybody they've had to face yet. Granted, because of the salary cap ex- ex- exceptions, exemptions that they got because guys were hurt in the regular season, um, they're technically $17 million over the salary cap. So they were able to bring guys back from long-term IR um, and find that loophole because the salary cap does not apply in the playoffs. So they're $17 million over. And as a result, they've got weapon after weapon after weapon that they throw out there. And Carey Price is basically having to stop multiple kitchen sinks at this point. I don't think it can be sustained. It's unfortunate that it's come to this. It's unfortunate that Montreal gets all the way, all the way. And yet the last opponent, the last thing between them and setting history, ending the streak, finally bringing a Stanley Cup back to Canada, and I'll be damned by the team called the Canadians, right? Tampa Bay has found a way, another time, to be my least favorite team in hockey. You know, I almost I almost want to like the Lightning. I love their uniforms. I love the name. I love the branding. I love who the lightning should be. I love who the lightning should be, right? I cannot stand who the lightning choose to be. Exactly. That I could not have said that any better. I mean, that's that, that just 
perfectly sums it up right I mean, there. So I'm my my family's from upstate New York. Okay, I have seen and cheered for and against the Syracuse Crunch. That is their AHL team, at least as far as the last time I've checked. They do keep getting, they keep getting freaking switched up there. But uh, again, I almost wish I liked the Tampa Bay Lightning. I want to like them. They haven't done a single thing to deserve it. Unless you live in Tampa Bay, you have zero reason to be a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. There are other teams that you can have been a fan of and have yet never stepped foot in the state they're in. I'm a a St. Louis Cardinals fan, through and through. I will never like another team in my life. But I've never even been to Missouri. That's the thing, right? Tampa Bay doesn't deserve to have where they're at. Last year, they were a good team. They won it fair. They beat a team that they were better than. This year has been a fraud. It's been phony. This Stanley Cup playoff has been great, and the NHL didn't do anything wrong because this was a loophole that existed. It wasn't necessarily the NHL actively being incompetent. But it's it's, oh, a it's, phony, it's a rule that needs to be changed. It's a phony Stanley Cup. It's a Mickey Mouse Cup, if I've ever seen one. You know, I know we joke about everything's a Mickey Mouse title. Literally everything since the Lakers actually won it in Orlando and that phrase became a thing. Everything we joke is, oh, it's a Mickey Mouse. It's a Mickey. This actually is a Mickey Mouse. This actually is one hundred percent a Mickey Mouse Stanley Cup because right. because of the circumstances behind it. Um, good tease though on the baseball part of things. When we come back. We have an extended baseball segment for you because there is a lot of news to get to and some major that just dropped at the time of recording. The Winston-Salem Dash ticket deal is back. Enjoy a fun night out at BB&T Ballpark in Winston-Salem with the family. For only $7, receive a reserved seat to see the Winston-Salem Dash for the 2021 season. The Dash have partnered with SportsCarolinaMonthly.com for the fifth season to bring you this incredible deal. This season, no date restrictions. Go to the Try It Hot Deals tab at the top of SportsCarolinaMonthly.com, purchase your tickets, and redeem the day prior to the game you want to ensure the best seats. Enjoy the games from the Winston-Salem Dash and SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. Back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside James Wilson and J-Dub, uh, a little bit of an extended baseball segment this morning. Some major news that just dropped as we were recording. In case any of you have been unaware, uh, Trevor Bauer, the highly touted superstar um, pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, is currently mired in what is now become a criminal investigation as opened by the Pasadena Police Department. Um, again, as of the time we're recording this, all this is just happening um, per ESPN's Jeff Passan and multiple other sources. Dave Roberts said on Thursday that um, these allegations came out earlier in the week that a woman that Trevor Bauer was involved with recently um, is accusing him of trying to strangle her to death. And while Bauer has you know, put up his defense, as, his, as has his, um, his agent on Twitter, um, 
these allegations, I'm not going to get into the details of them because they're incredibly graphic. Um, and I, we just don't need to talk about what they are specifically. But for, for context, I will tell you that they are, they are horrible if true. And I will stress this by saying that we don't know for sure what has happened. Um, and everyone is innocent until proven guilty in my eyes, and I'm sure JW as well. But these allegations are, they're scary. They're, they're damning if they come to light as, as being true. So Dave Roberts said that they're going to start him. As of the time of this recording, Major League Baseball, after a lot of backlash last night, um, has placed Trevor Bauer on a seven-day administrative leave while MLB conducts its own separate independent investigation. At the same time as that announcement, the Pasadena Police Department released a statement saying that they've opened a criminal investigation against Trevor Bauer, and if enough evidence is uncovered, will file criminal charges. J-Dub, what, what do you think? Because there's... There's a lot to go over here, and uh, again, of course, we're not going to get into all of it, but good Lord, I mean, this is bad. Yeah, I mean, this is this is pretty sick. This is some of the worst things I've seen since becoming um, an adult and becoming a pro and doing this and doing the talk show stuff and just simply having a platform to speak on. Personally, I am really, really sick and tired of athletes thinking that they are um, they are, are immortal gods. Personally, I yeah, I trust, I trust and pray, um, and I believe in the concept of innocent until proven guilty. But the thing is, th- he at the very least is at least a total a hole in doing this. Um, even if he, even if he is completely innocent of all the things he's accused of, he's probably not that good of a person. And you don't get accused of of crazy absolutely terrible things unless there is at least a little bit of truth with every lie comes a hair of truth so there is going to be something here that is probably damning there is going to be something here that we probably can find about Trevor Bauer you know he might never play baseball again this is something we need to consider and we do have other baseball news to talk about but this is pretty it's upsetting it sucks especially for a team I was hoping could figure out how to do it again luckily enough though the Dodgers have more than one great pitcher they have a really good team. Okay, yeah, they they are they are absolutely stacked. Okay, they could drop them and we'll still win the the World Series again. That 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 cannot be understated. How absolutely stacked they are. Um, but before we move on, I want to say this: I absolutely one hundred percent side with Major League Baseball, and for once, I agree with Rob Manfred on something. Because he has, for once, made the right decision. Um, Here's the thing. Administrative leave is not an admission or confirmation of guilt or innocence or anything of that matter. What it is, it's an opportunity for that person to take some time away while things get figured out. And if that has to be forced to happen, yes. Trevor Bauer should not pitch at least for the next week until some semblance of this is figured out. He should not pitch a Major League Baseball game with that clouding over him and that clouding over everyone else. 
because not only does it take away, not only is it a bad look, it takes away from the point of a baseball game. Okay? He cannot pitch with that clouding over him. And that's that's an objective statement. No, you're absolutely right. As that's that, I mean, that's as plainly as I could put it. So right. now, you know, we can get to the scores, uh, but I mean, whew, that, it's it's insane news. It's insane news. It's some of the hardest news we've had to break for a very long time. Actually, no, yep, it's by far the hardest news you and I have had to make. Period. It's it's the toughest thing we've had to talk about on this show. And while there's been other instances of things similar to this, well, not even not similar per se, but other things of of nature that we could have talked about. This is this had to be addressed. Period. Uh, the All Star Game. The starting lineups have been announced. Uh, let's roll through them real quick. First, the American League designated hitter and one of three current announced home run derby participants, Shohei Otani, of uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, will be the DH for the AL. Um, Salvador Perez of the Kansas City Royals, your AL starting catcher. Rafael Devers at third. Sander Bogarts at shortstop. Both of the Boston Red Sox well deserved there. A uh, surprise from Toronto, a surprise star in the making who's hitting like 320 right now. Some ungodly number, Marcus Simeon and his teammate, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simeon's at second, and then Guerrero Jr., um, the leading overall vote-getter across the NL and the AL, will play first base. And then the outfield for the American League, another Toronto Blue Jay, Teoscar Hernandez, Mike Trout in center field, and Aaron Judge in right. To the National League, Buster Posey, who seems to have found the fountain of youth in San Francisco for the surprising AL or NL West leading Giants, is the starting catcher. Uh, Nolan Arenado of the St. Louis Cardinals returns to Colorado, his old home as the NL starting third baseman. Fernando Tatis Jr., the San Diego Padres superstar shortstop, starts there. Adam Frazier, the surprise of many, hitting 346 this year. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, the lone bright spot there starts at second base, as voted by the fans. Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves, well-deserved, starts at first base. And then an outfield of Ronald Acuna Jr. in center field, also of the Atlanta Braves. And then the Reds combo of Jesse Winker and the infamous Nick Castellanos. One thing I want to touch on before we move on of did the fans get this right? For the most part, I think they did, but... Mike, this is the problem I have with fan voting in every sport, specifically baseball, because this happens. Yeah. Mike Trout is injured. Badly, I might add. Mike Trout is not going to play in the All-Star game. <laughs> there are a host of candidates, Cedric Mullins, top among them, of the Baltimore Orioles, who currently leads the American League in all five major batting categories and second in the AL in fielding percentage, second in the AL in outfield assists, doesn't start because the fans said, oh, Mike Trout is popular. We should vote him in. Mike Trout is not going to play in the All-Star game. He is not going to participate in the Home Run Derby. Mike Trout is going to, at the very least, attend in a suite on crutches. Mike Trout is not going to be on the field in Colorado, period. Because of this, you take votes away from a guy like Cedric Mullins, who's having a career year out of nowhere. And as a result, you take those votes away from him and give them to Mike Trout. And now they have to fill that spot, which also takes away a reserve spot from somebody else. 
And keep in mind here, in baseball, the protocol, or so to speak, is each team has to have at least one representative. So Mullins will be the Baltimore representative, but he should have been voted in as a starter. And now that takes away a reserve spot from somebody else at any position um, because you have to fill two spots for one now at this point on the AL roster. The MLB is a great league. It's a great idea. But uh, yet again, they have... Oh, God. In many ways, I'm excited about this MLB game. This All-Star game, rather. Uh, But there are some things that they have just gotten absolutely terribly wrong. And some of the stuff has been the same way for years now. So I don't even know how to get into the specifics of it. I don't necessarily know all of the specifics of it. But uh, they really need to fix this. Here's the thing. If there's a team that sucks... They don't deserve to have someone from that team on the All-Star game. A few years ago, the Detroit Red Wings had one of their players in the All-Star game. For what? You know, they're terrible. They're the worst year in that franchise's history. Uh, so, I, there's a lot that needs to be improved upon here. Uh, the All-Star game is is definitely going to be something we're going to watch. It's going to be exciting. It's, it's coming up. It's only 11 days away. Um, excuse me, 10 days away now. So, that being said, yeah, this is going to be a great one, you know. Uh, American League versus National League, as always. <laughs> I know that sounds dumb. But anyways, it's going to be great. And, and, and it's in a great ballpark as well. It, Colorado is a great place. Um, I actually did see if I could actually see if I could get out there. Unfortunately, I could not. I didn't have the time to both drive out there um, and then drive back. But... This is going to be a good one. If you like baseball, you'll like the game. At the very least. You know, there's going to be so much crap that might be annoying, but if you like baseball, you'll at, at, at least like the game. You'll at least enjoy the All-Star game. Yep, and the Home Run Derby is going to be pretty special as well. There's three confirmed contestants. We told you about Shohei Otani. That's going to be fun in and of itself. Um, stage 3, Cancer Survivor, and current star of the Baltimore Orioles, who's just a tremendous, tremendous story, and is third in the American League in home runs right now. Um, That would be Trey Mancini. Um, He's just an inspiration for everybody. Um, He's going to be in the home run derby, and he's going to compete and compete well, I think. Um, On top of that, the only other contestant is of the homestanding Colorado Rockies, their shortstop Trevor Story, who bought the other night. Um, in, in an effort to try and coerce him to participate in the home run derby. Um, one Cardinal will probably be in it, whether it's Arenado or um, Tyler O'Neill, who's a gargantuan human being and has biceps the size of the state of Alabama. Uh, but actually, at this point, his biceps might be the size of Texas. I don't know. They're huge. Um the best candidates to, to fill that slot, um, I'm going to rattle mine off real quick. Um, Arenado and O'Neal being two of them. Matt Olson um, of the um, Oakland Athletics is a very good candidate. Um, one of the better hitters in the American League. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has said he will not participate, so 
You can cross him off the list. Pete Alonzo has not said one way or the other. He's a former champion of the event of the New York Mets. That's an option. Uh, Francisco Lindor of the New York Mets is an option. Um, Aaron Judge, of course, is an option. Giancarlo Stanton of the New York Yankees, both very good options. And there's no rule that says there has to be um, a certain amount of like split down the league um, spectrum, so to speak. So Ronald Acuna Jr., I think, of the Atlanta Braves is somebody that has to, has to, has to be looked at here. I think Fernando Tatis is going to be the guy. He's the best player in baseball. Uh, you could talk to me about numbers this year. I know it hasn't necessarily been in, uh, exactly what I expected. I expected some record-breaking stuff out of him. I mean, you want to talk about the, the face of baseball, so to speak. That's that's it. That's him. That's the guy he's right on, there. He's on the cover of the video game. Uh, that, that's a start. Yep. There, there you go. Um so that about sums that up. Um, let's get to standings really quick while we can. Um, actually, when you look at you know where things stand right now and we approach the All-Star break, it's pretty evident to see where teams stand in terms of buying and selling. But the Washington Nationals, who everybody assumed was going to sell off, behind Kyle Schwarber's absolutely... Monster month of June, 16 home runs in 18 games over the month. Hitting in the leadoff spot, by the way, for a big guy. That's That doesn't very much happen. They're two games back in the NL East behind the Mets. So they're not, they're not selling, period. The Marlins are only eight games back, but uh, they've already made a trade. Um, Pittsburgh has some pieces on the table. They're 19 games out. They've given up. Um... Everyone behind Milwaukee, the Cubs six and a half, Reds eight games back, Cardinals nine games back with all the injuries that the Cardinals, our Cardinals have had to deal with. Um, that no, Nobody above Pittsburgh is going to make any sort of move um, other than if they stand pat. Um, they're going to buy if they do anything. Um, the Giants, as we said, still lead out by a half game over the Dodgers in the NL West. Two and a half over San Diego. But then you've got Colorado and Arizona at the bottom of that division who have also all but given up. Um, they're going to sell off a lot of their pieces. Uh, Minnesota expected to contend. They sit 14 and a half games out in the AL Central. Kansas City 15 games out. Detroit 12 and a half out. Expect three of the five teams in the AL Central to at least try and sell off some of their pieces. The White Sox and the Cleveland Indians. Um, the only two competitors in that division um, expect Baltimore to try and make some moves as well. Um, the Texas Rangers, um, I think we might see sell, but they don't really have any pieces that anyone's looking for. Everyone else I've mentioned, though, has pieces that people are looking for, um, specifically the St. Louis Cardinals, who are looking for some outfield help and some starting pitching help as they've been decimated by injuries. The Chicago White Sox, after the injury for to Jose Abreu, are looking for some help um, offensively. There's a lot of contenders, certainly, that can make some moves going forward. But as we approach the All-Star break, we, we know where everybody stands. Uh, very quickly, in case you did not see it as well, I'm sorry I'm taking up all your time here, J-Dub. Um, if you did not see the Olympic baseball roster... Uh, for Team USA, baseball back at the Olympics for the first time since Athens in 2004. 
Um, here is the USA Baseball Olympic roster. Uh, the infield. We'll get to it here in a second, and it'll be easier for me to read it by position group than how I had it in my notes. Um, the infielders, uh, Nick Allen, Eddie Alvarez, Tristan Casas, uh, free agent MOB veteran Todd Frazier and Jamie Westbrook uh, make up the infield. The outfield consists of Tyler Austin, Eric Phillip, Patrick Kivelhan, Jack Lopez, and top Kansas City Rays prospect Bubba Starling. Um, it's a mix because actual MOB guys can't leave and participate in this. Um, it's a mix of top prospects and um, MLB veteran free agents, Todd Frazier leading that class. Um, the catchers consist of MLB veteran Tim Fedowich and top prospect Mark Colisari. Um, They'll make up the catching group. The pitchers uh, pretty stacked with some major MLB experience on there. Shane Baz, Anthony Carter, top St. Louis Cardinals prospect Brandon Dixon, Anthony Ghost. Um, veteran and former St. Louis Cardinal member of the 11 World Series team, Edwin Jackson. Scott Casimir, a member of the 2009 Tampa Bay Rays AL pennant winning squad. Nick Martinez, Scott McGough, David Robertson, who's been a part of a couple of pennant winners, not only with the Yankees, but also with the Phillies back in 2008. Joe Ryan, Ryder Ryan, and uh, Samoan Woods Richardson. So a really good Olympic squad to look at here, James. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is going to be, in my opinion, uh, this is going to be a team that might be so good they take baseball away again. I don't think people realize the Dominicans are going to put up a really good fight. They're obviously, they're clearly right now one of the favorites, and I don't know if their roster has been finalized and they can pull a whole lot of talent. A lot of also guys who are really contending in minors right now or are also on their way up. Their team is going to be just as good. Japan's going to put up a really good team. But you also got to keep in mind there's not a lot of countries that America really has to absolutely batten down the hatches and really battle against on their way up through the Olympics. So, you know, it's not like basketball. America in basketball has been the global dominating force that we have been. We've only lost to the Russians a couple times, you know. It's not like that. We are so much incredibly better at uh, than other, all these other countries at ba basketball, right? It might be close, and we might be better than everyone, but it takes some fighting in that sport. But here in baseball, at least this year, 2021, it's going to be a bloodbath. I think America is going to very easily get through it, and that might be blind patriotism, but guess what? If it's blind patriotism, I'll be blind for the rest baseball's of my our life. Sport. That's, yeah, baseball's our sport. It's okay, our that's sport. Our, the Dominicans are great at, at it, too. The Dominicans are amazing at it. In fact, the best players in the world are Dominican. But when we're building a team, we're putting together some, we're putting together a, a squad to do a job. I guarantee you, no one is better than the United States of America. There is not a uh, very quickly, J Dub. Very, very quickly, we got to continue this for the fans at home. Yes, sir. What would you like to learn about baseball today? Absolutely. So one thing I've always wanted to understand: what is ERA? ERA, I'm glad you asked, and this involves a little bit of math. Right. Uh, ERA is earned run average. So you know the difference between earned and unearned runs, correct? Absolutely. So an earned run is one that the pitcher sustains on his own. He earns the blame, so to speak, in the scorebook for it. Um, an unearned run would be one that's sustained on an error or you know something in the field that is beyond the control of the pitcher. Um, an ERA is the average upon which earned runs are given up. So it's calculated by 
the number of innings pitched over a single game that that pitcher has done, whether it's six full innings, six and a third, six and a third, six and two thirds, or a full seven, so on and so forth, divided by the number of earned runs he sustained, and then you get a percentage from that. That's the average of earned runs that that pitcher has sustained over not the games he has started, but the total number of innings he has pitched to that point. Awesome. See, and that's the fun of this segment is that you're always going to be learning stuff. There might be some stuff that's rhetorical and I genuinely do know. ERA, I actually didn't know. So it's a stat I knew I needed to know. But moving on, next week I'm very excited about the next baseball subject. That's going to be secret. We're going to reveal it next week when you guys are listening. And next week, we'll also, I know we talked about Olympic baseball today. The Olympic basketball roster is not finalized, but by next week, it should be pretty darn close to such. So uh, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, it's going to do it for us this week. Enjoy the uh, final week of the first half of the MLB regular season. The Carolina Disco Turkeys have a homestand. Uh, two more games. The Dash City Independence Day celebration is today. It begins at 3 o'clock with Disco Turkeys Baseball, a full day of action and fireworks tonight at 9.30. Live music mixed in between. Um, and as well, uh, July 4th home game as well. Enjoy your Independence Day weekend. Lots of baseball, basketball, Stanley Cup final. Uh, good stuff on the horizon. Absolutely. We will see you guys next week.